0: What takes first place in your life? I I don't mean when you are in the church meeting, but what about every day? What about when you are with your friends or when no one is watching you? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Beginning at the 18th verse, we meet a man who came to Jesus with a sincere question. He seemed to have the right priorities. For he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What an opportunity this was. He really seemed to want to make sure he was going to the right place. That is a, a good desire to have. He seemed to have the right priority. What can we learn from this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? How did Jesus deal with this man? Jesus listened carefully to what the man said and then gave him a very serious and personal answer. It was clear that this man did not understand some very important things. As William Hendrickson has said, Jesus knew the man was being superficial. His shallowness is evident from the praise he bestows on himself. To be fair to this man, he was not like those who came with crooked questions, attempting to trap Jesus. Remember that question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? We have many such people today they are not so much concerned with taxes, but questions about human biology and relationships. We always need wisdom in dealing with such people. When a stranger launches straight in on the Bible's teaching on homosexuality, it is almost certain that he is not seeking to be informed, but is setting a trap. That is how several street preachers have been arrested in England. We need to be wise when dealing with such people. Remember, just because a person asks a question does not mean to say that you are under an obligation to answer their exact question. You can always answer a question with a question, for instance. Note that when Jesus was asked about Caesar and taxes, he asked for a coin. He asked, he asked whose head was on the coin. So we can ask, what do you understand the Bible to teach about the subject? We need great wisdom. However, this man's question was sincere and such people are to be given careful attention. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear? First of all, let us consider the question that was asked. Eternal life was a good subject. Jesus Christ was the right person to ask. But, Everything else about it was wrong. Look at the words carefully. Good master, teacher, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? Jesus immediately challenged him. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. The man's eyes needed to be lifted up to consider the holiness of God. Good master was a very respectful term for dress, but the man had a low view of God and a high view of man, as is evident from his next response about how he had kept God's law. Jesus is pointing out that only God is truly holy and that God's goodness transcends whatever we consider. To be holy. We set our own standards. And then measure everything else against them. And ourselves against others. Like the Pharisee did in verse 11. But you are not God. You do not have the right to determine. What is the standard of good or evil. And then measure yourself against it. Next. Note that he said, What must I do? He knew that something was lacking. If only he knew what action was needed to earn merit with God, he would do it. The emphasis here is on what can I do? We naturally see merit in our own works. Many times people think of weighing good against bad and hoping the good is enough. Acts of penance, special prayers, fasting and pilgrimage, these are things which historically were seen as earning merit with God. Today it has been updated to include many acts of kindness and generosity and in our modern age ideas of social justice. We reason that these things must earn merit with God. If anyone earns eternal life, it must be the ones who seek to live out these principles. But Jesus would turn our eyes to God. There is none good, save one, that is God. Secondly, Jesus' answer was very straightforward. Verse 20. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. When he listed these, they were the ones that That deal with our relations with other people. Our everyday lives. When you hear these, what do you think? They are so simple to read. They are easy to understand. But are they easy to keep? This man was certain. Notice what he said. All these things have I kept from my youth up. He was confident. Always clean living, no problem passing that test. Let us be clear, it was undoubtedly true that he had never killed anyone nor robbed a bank. But that did not make him a righteous keeper of God's law. The Lord looketh on the heart. As the psalmist said in Psalm 139 at verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus pointed out that we sin in thought and word even if our actions are restrained. To be rashly angry is sinful. Matthew 5 verse 22. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. This is how God views our hearts. If we were all fully honest about our thoughts, words and actions, we would be filled with shame for our guilt. Not this man. He was not so open about his boasting as the Pharisee in the temple had been. He knew he needed something extra, but still he saw himself as good and pure before the law. What Jesus said to this man was completely accurate. If what this man had said was really true, then he would have merited eternal life. Romans chapter 2 verse 13 For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. The Apostle Paul had seen himself as righteous. Indeed, he was proud of himself and his ritual purity. He saw himself as blameless. As he explains in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, it was only later that his eyes were opened and he said, 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. That is the true purpose of the law for us. It shines a light of purity and exposes all our wickedness. Not your neighbours, not some of the group, but yours personally, yours individually. Romans chapter 3 verse 20. By the law is the knowledge of sin. When we have the law explained, it is as if Nathan the prophet was talking to us. We have to see the holiness of the law and the horror of sin. And to face the fact That King David had to face. Thou art the man. The law is there to break us open, to make us understand our guilt. What about you? Do you know the truth of Romans chapter 7 and the 14th verse? For we know That the law is spiritual. But I am carnal. Sold under sin. For that which I do. I allow not. For what I would. That do I not. But what I hate. That do I. Knowing what is right. Even having a desire to do what is right, but then going and doing what is wrong. This is the effect of sin in our hearts. Have you seen your heart in the light of God's law? Do you understand your guilt before the Holy God? But this, this was a gracious opportunity for this man. When he proclaimed his innocence, Jesus moved quickly to expose his real condition. Verse 22 Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come. Follow me. Turn from everything you hold dear. That which you are trusting for very life itself. And follow me. Learn from me. Be my disciple. Trust yourself wholly into my care. Why did Jesus tell him to sell all and give to the poor? It is not because all who would follow Jesus must do the same. For then Job and Abraham would have been told to sell all and to give to the poor. This is brought out clearly with Ananias. Acts chapter 5 verse 4. Remember remember, they had, him and his wife, they had sold property and then they had brought the proceeds so they said and given it to the church for the work of the gospel but they'd held back part of it for themselves they only pretended to give the whole Peter says Acts chapter 5 verse 4 "Whilst it remained was it not thine own after it was sold was it not in thine own power why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart thou hast not lied unto men but unto God it was the deception that was wrong the pretense of giving all when it was only a part which brought judgment upon them they had made a voluntary decision to give, and then they claimed to give a whole lot more than they actually did, because they claimed to have given all the proceeds when it was only a part. They were seeking to earn merit from men, but they forgot they were lying on to God. This man failed to see that he was putting his riches first. He had something that was more important to him than the Lord Jesus Christ. Something that was more important to him even than eternal life. This reminds of King Herod, back in Mark chapter 6, remember King Herod, King Herod had feared John the Baptist, chapter 6 at verse 20, knowing that he was a just man, and unholy, and observed him, and when he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. Herod heard John gladly. That's so encouraging. But Herod arrested John. And Herod ended up executing John. Why was that? That verse 18 of Mark chapter 6. We read of the reason. For John had said unto Herod. It is not lawful for thee. To have thy brother's wife. It is not lawful for thee. He had a precious sin. That stirred between him. And Christ. Something. That was more important. And so it is. That we read that sorry tale. About that birthday feast. And how he promised. To give whatever was asked. And he was asked. For the head. Of John the Baptist. Verse 26 of Mark 6. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake, and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner, and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. He had received the word gladly, Then he was sorry, but he still rejected God's prophet. He still rejected God's law. He rejected the call for repentance and faith and chose that illicit relationship. He had something more important. something that his heart's desire was set upon that kept him from true life what about you what in your life is important jesus was telling this man here in Luke 18 to turn completely from all that he had his trust in, to sell it, to be separated from it, and to show love to the poor by giving it away generously. This to me suggested that this man's interest in others was at a very low level. He seems to have seen keeping the law as being something passive, a list of things to check that you have not done. But the law is summed up with the words, Love the Lord your God with your whole heart and your neighbour as yourself. None of us can pass that test. And follow me. The call to believe and become a disciple. We are all called upon. To take up our crosses daily and follow Christ. The cost is total. Nothing is to stand between us and Christ. That is what Jesus meant when he spoke of cutting off your right hand, of plucking out your eye. Nothing is to be more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian faith is about the person and work of Jesus. He came to die on the cross to save his people from their sins. We have redemption through his blood. He was buried and rose again the third day. This man had never kept the law, but Christ kept it in every detail. He had loved his neighbor perfectly. Neither you nor I have ever kept God's law, but Jesus did. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. We cannot earn our own righteousness. We do not deserve eternal life. But all who repent and believe, receive that new birth, receive adoption, become sons of God by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is all of grace. The tax collector in the temple could do nothing but confess his own sin and plead for mercy. God's free gift must be received as a child receives a gift, without any thought of paying for it. This man, verse 23, when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very Rich. Holding. On to his earthly treasures. Kept him from following Christ. He preferred the pleasure of sin for a season. His trust was actually in his possessions. He forgot. That it is appointed unto man. Wants to die. And after that. The judgment. Only. Treasure laid up in heaven will last. Hear Jesus' words of warning. Verse 25. It is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. No wonder the disciples then asked. Who then can be saved? That is the whole point. It is impossible with man. The camel cannot pass through the eye of a needle. That saying is literally true. That is the whole point of what Jesus is saying. You cannot earn eternal life. But... What words of grace, verse 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. It is all of grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. We cannot build heaven on earth. But we can call people to repent, reminding them of God's law. His standard and then telling them the wonderful truth of the gospel. John three verse sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Dear friends, I hope that you will examine yourself in the light of God's law and God's truth. And seeing that you are a hopeless sinner, you will cry out for mercy. That you will look to Christ Jesus. God has extended the day of grace to us. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen.